coming to you from the ultra serious podcast studio that we have. It's the Sons of Honarchy podcast, where we are all strictly White Sox business. So stay out of White Sox business. It's your boy, Steve O. I am at Drunk Shy Sox fan on Twitter and joining me. And hot take Tommy. I, I really like the idea, especially after we decided we're going to be called K-Dubs Buds. Uh, <laughs> the Kenny Williams K-Dubs reference. Buds. Oh, so good. Um, also, we are definitely not going to be serious this podcast. We never have been, never will be. Um, because we're your favorite four-star podcast. Yes. Of course. Brought to you so, by. Uh, yeah. Brought to you by Just Us. Make there sure you is. rate, okay. subscribe, review to the podcast. Um, don't even rate us five stars. Rate us four stars. I don't want it. I don't we're, want it. We're at we're at 4.1. Why not just make us a solid four, folks? Yeah, it's it's really it's getting my head's getting too big with the 4.1. I'm just worried that I'll never be, you know, respectable again. I'll be throwing it in everybody's faces. We need to take that down a notch. And we all know that Steve needs to be taken down a notch. That's a thousand percent, man. My head is definitely. way too big. I I before you know it, I'm gonna look like hey Arnold, man. You know, <laughs> good old football head. So yeah, four stars, please. Four Speaking stars. of football head, I, I got an off White Sox comment to make, Tommy. Mm. Notre Dame football oh. is right Man's around the corner. Tale, the oh documentary. my God, did you watch it? I really, really want to. I haven't had a chance yet. But. So I'll be honest, I did not watch the game yesterday. The White Sox game. Uh, oh, okay. the, the two nothing. Uh, yeah, it started at goddamn like 9 p.m. or well, something. Well, it started late. So like I was like f this i'm gonna go outside and go for a bike ride and then come back so it had finally started it was in the third inning at that point and i was like you know what yeah i'll put it on the radio real quick you know while you know you know we get settled in for the night and then kate was like you know i really want to watch the manti teo documentary uh and i was like you know what let's just do that instead of watching same <laughs> so um i knew a lot of what was going on already because like it's so i feel like that's the first documentary i've ever watched where it's like oh my god i remember really living this in live time yes. like the rise of manti teo and the mm-hmm. story behind his you know his his tragedy and his triumph right and then when you catfished him um... and then when he got catfished and all the jokes that i had to receive as being like the only Notre Dame football fan in my friend group yeah, uh, growing up. Uh, right. But yeah, yeah. His, uh, his, his, his plummet from grace was just like unreal, man. So fast. So fast. I mean, shit, even I went out here. Do you remember my Halloween costume freshman year? Yes. You, you had uh, like a fake, you just did the Jersey on your arm. That was like a fake girlfriend or something. I can't remember I, how well, you- I had the Jersey on and then I put a t-shirt around that's my right arm. and i was fake like it's, I, re- right. I walked around campus with my arm out and like it's my fake girlfriend everybody uh <laughs> it's so bad of me i i you know i really feel uh, after watching that documentary i really feel for man time man like he i heard whether, it's like I, he's a little gullible don't get me wrong right i mean but holy cow man like he got he's a victim in that situation a thousand percent he probably so, was just out here looking for love thought he found it, it. He's like he's like a genuinely nice guy. Like he is like, like he's too nice. Well, like he's 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 Willie P. Nice. Oh, like shit, he's yeah. he's up on that level of niceness, man. So you have um, to have a little bit of mean in you to survive in this world. Because if you don't, you're gonna trust everybody, and if you trust everybody, mm-hmm. 
you end up like Manti Teo. So you, <laughs> you lose your NFL starting position is what happens. <laughs> yeah. like, facts. <laughs> facts. Um, but no, I mean, it was really interesting. Don't would would recommend the, the, <laughs> the football season is starting though, Tom. This is where I was going with this. I know you're going to get fed up with me because I'm going to bring it up every now and again. We're going to talk about the NFL, the no, no fun. We're, we're talking about the, we're talking about college football, baby. Oh, um, Notre so Dame is a 15 point. team, the, the minor leagues of the no fun league. Notre Dame is a 15 point underdog against Ohio state. It's because they're I match? better. Yes, Should... they're better. I will agree. They are better. Okay. But 15 point 15 underdog. Point. Steve, it's just going to break your heart. I just, I, I, the way that I think about it is like this. They're covering You're... two touchdowns. Come on. But are they? Uh, and, and, and. Uh, you're already going to be so downhearted when they lose. So do you really want to like add on to the fact that you had money on the line? So you're extra mm. downhearted. You're not even going to survive that day if you do this to yourself. So you're saying I should make a, what do you call that bet? Like almost like a make myself feel better bet. So yes. like if Ohio, State, bet on Ohio I, State. I, I bet Ohio State to cover 15 points. And if they don't, it's like, oh, Notre Dame, you know, like, yeah, so they lose money at- and Notre Dame. No, no, no. I am betting Notre Dame to cover a period. <laughs> that's disrespectful. First oh, that's disrespectful. Oh, First yeah. week of the year. Come on now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Against Ohio State. Um, but also, what the fuck do I know? I found out the other day that Ohio State is in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. Interesting, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, it's the state capital. Well, you know, when you're from Chicago, you don't have to worry about the rest of the Midwest. They don't, it doesn't really exist in a way that is uh, tangible or, or noticeable really. So that's why I kind of didn't know that. I think uh, for the most part, fair, fair. So like the edge of the universe is like Northwest Indiana. I, I, I understand Tom. <laughs> um, and, and going border, it's an unknown uncharted territory going West. It's park Ridge, right? You never went West of park Ridge growing up. Right. That's correct. Yes. And I, I've actually, I realized I was taking the Metro back to my hometown to I, I had car problems. So I was trying to pick up a car from my parents to, you know, you know, cause I'm a bum and I, and I basically can't pay for my own second vehicle. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm not a rich, wealthy asshole. Like you guys thought I was, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I was taking the Metro, uh, and I was like watching the streets go by in Park Ridge. And I was like, Shit, when I was in high school, I knew what every single one of these streets were. And now I swear to God, I have no idea where I am. I'm like, I would, if you drop me in Park Ridge, I'd get lost pretty quickly. Oh, no, I, I feel that way too. Actually, I think I know downtown Rockford better than I ever did growing up. But outside of that, like, you put me back on, on side streets back home, I am, I'm screwed. I'm well, screwed. the side streets for you back home are actually just like rows of corn. So it's hard to really find your way around. You know, you have to be pretty tall to see over. Um, put, put, put a little gravel in my travel, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Where the fuck are we? What are we talking about here? What is uh, you know, we are a White Sox baseball podcast. So should we? maybe we should talk about White Sox baseball. What do you think, Tom? 
I I'd like it. I mean, since we've been on the mic last, uh, the White Sox have sustained a what was it a three game losing streak, four game losing streak was it? Um, but they ha- they had a five game win streak in there as well. So um, exactly. that, that that's not right. There's definitely not nine games since the last time we talked. But no, uh, it was a five game win streak, and then they were promptly like, actually, we're a 500 baseball team. Nobody forget it. Let's lose three straight just to remind everybody that we're a 500 baseball team. Um, and so they did. It was great. Um, I mean, that five game streak was really nice, though. It was fun. And especially since two of them were against Houston, right? Yeah. Like that was the big test. Everybody, particularly, particularly, I'll say, uh, our, our guy Husky Bardo on White Sox Twitter was making the, the jokes about like, Oh, it's, it's the end of the season. You know, White Sox funeral, put down the, put down the gravestone. It's time. Um, Mm -hmm. when Houston comes into town. And and they went out there and they they played you know like as bad as as, as corny as the sounds as cliche as it sounds they played hard nosed baseball they you know they they played tough baseball and then they got not give up they not give up baseball for three games right they fought and, till and the then. end <laughs> well well we're getting there we're getting there a comeback victory on Monday with yes. a four run bottom of the eighth. I was really, over. I was out really at softball cool. that night, and yeah. I, I I go and I check the score, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like they actually came back, and it's four two going into the top of the ninth. Give the ball to Liam, perfect, um, and it worked out. Um, was that winner? Winner, exactly. Um, Tuesday game we were at, mm-hmm. not together, but we met up. Yes. Um, and I was then, able to convince you to come to the upper deck for. <laughs> Which I, I'll talk about in a second. You know, the White Sox take that early one nothing lead, and I'm like, all right, here we go. Like I'm feeling good. I yep. put I put Sox money line money down. And, threw down like four different times across. Okay, the game. no. <laughs> I think I had five separate bets. Yeah, separate White Sox money line bets. You sent me a screenshot the next day, and it was like that one was when you were drunk. That one was when you were drunker. And that no. one was when you were drunkest. Please. Please. Oh, when, uh, when you, you were. I you were. wasn't sober, but we don't have to talk about that. I was good. I was good. Um, <laughs> Nate kept, my my buddy was there, which is why we didn't go originally. Is I, I was bringing a buddy in. Right. Uh, and we were sitting together up in the upper deck, and he just kept slinging me drinks. I don't know. Yes. He, he, yes. he did not know about the, well, it was $7 beer night, which was crazy. No, it's and, not just seven hour beer night. Like they have had that going on for weeks now. Just because they had over, they must have like overstocked certain beers or whatever. Exactly. But get to the ballpark if you want to and get, hit up the craft cave. Anyway, I he didn't know I had drank two out on the parking lot. So then I get into the park and I'm like, ooh. And then he's just like handing me tall boys throughout the game. And I'm like, who cares that it's Tuesday? Who cares? Um, anyway, I know you had I, a little bit of a rough morning the next morning, right? I was just so tired bro like i was in a meeting at work and i was like mm-hmm. i don't know if i was supposed to say yes to what you just said but i did so <laughs> did you work remotely or did you have to go i was in office i was in office that's and tough that's I a was tough look barely there bro um anyway i'm so sorry you were talking about the game you we were up one zero you were, we were feeling up one good. zero i was feeling good yeah, and then all of a sudden I'm like, you up, uh, yeah, making my bets. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me go visit Tommy. That's gonna be a great time to go visit my guy and, and say hi and and you know have a beer and and chill out, right? All of a sudden the White Sox socks start looking like shit. Yes. And uh and, and the offense Almost couldn't get it together. Uh Cease gave up those those three runs, and yep. I was like, you know what? 
I think it's time for me to go back downstairs. <laughs> I think this is the bad. I am the bad. Like I waited till what was it? The bottom of the fifth, maybe the bottom of the sixth. I think where, where season's gone. I think it was bottom of the sixth. Bottom of the sixth, and the White Sox still didn't scratch out runs. And I was like, all right, I gotta run downstairs. I, I think this is this is gonna flip the curse here. Um and my golly did it. Um, it worked. It worked, baby. Uh, White Sox winner, and my guy, Yono's clutch. Damn, dude, he was he was on fire against Houston. That yeah. whole that whole win streak, and he still he still hasn't really cooled off. Cooled off. Um, he did take a strike. Looking, um, he did not have a good yesterday. He went yeah. over four with a strikeout. Um, yeah. so it, not fantastic. Left a couple pitch, guys on base, but that pitch from Shane though, that like backdoor curve that hit him for the strikeout. Looking. That was dirty ass pitch. So I like I'm not really gonna fault him for taking that one, but for sure. I mean Shane Bieber, I mean something to think about too is yeah, the numbers don't say it this year, but Shane Bieber's still, you know, when he's on, he's on. He's Greatest one of the of best pitchers in the league. Greatest of all time. No. Uh, but he's one of the best pitchers in the league when he's on. When he's on He's no Johnny Cueto, but you know. Exactly, man. You, go, right? you can't all be Johnny Cueto with two strikeouts and oh yeah. Oh yeah. Two thirds. We'll a thousand percent. Uh, we will get there. Um, holy cow, though. Um, that game was awesome. That was a lot of fun to be at. It was nice it was to really beat fun. Houston. Um, back-to-back games, and then, you know, they they fell a little bit short on Wednesday. Um, still good effort. You know, like, they, they came, they tried coming from behind, and yep. it was just a little bit too little too late. Exactly. Um, and they got smoked. Uh, Dude, on, on the when Thursday you say afternoon smoked, game. bro, I'm so sorry for everybody who watched that whole game. Like hot damn, that was bad. Yeah. Uh I mean this is why you just don't don't go to a Thursday afternoon game unless you have nothing else better to do. Like mm-hmm. you're just gonna get disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I was so, I was coming out of work and seeing everybody like get off the train, you know, having come from the ballpark, and no one looked happy. No one mm-hmm. was happy. <laughs> No, and I mean that game started off what ten nothing Houston until yep. the White Sox put some runs on the board, um, and, and, and nose clutch he had a three exactly. run I call it clutch if you want to, um, being down ten nothing, but he did hit a three run bomb in the bottom of the fifth, uh, and that was that was an excellent series for him, man. Like I really love to crunch those numbers and, and really mm-hmm. look at how good he was, but he had to have bat, been batting at least at least four hundred with an OPS over a thousand. That series yeah. for sure. Yeah, that series um, he was right. He was good, very good. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, tough twenty-one to five loss. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the funny thing is, like, the White Sox had eleven hits that game still. Like, right, and they scored three runs. And it's like, fuck it's, you, Frank. <laughs> it's wild to me. Like, Geo gets lit up. Velasquez gets lit up. Jose Ruiz is Jose Ruiz back to old Jose Ruiz. I mean, Dude, no, he was good on Tuesday when we were there. What didn't he pitch? I think he pitched. I think he uh, pitched for an inning. Um, yeah. the oh, man, just Jose, got lit. he got his tits lit, man, in a low leverage situation. Those are usually his best kinds of games, too. When- yeah, well, they've been flipping the script on him because he was like low leverage Jose last year and the year before and just like mowing people down. And then like he's had a few high leverage outings recently and then they put him back in the low leverage and he was like, what the fuck is this? All right. Meatballs it is. All right. Like, <laughs> so I don't know what to tell he you, said, man. I, I'm, I'm a Jose. Ruiz fan. 
He said, fuck it. <laughs> I, you know what? I haven't uh, taken the time yeah. to do this. I, I need to yell about something like super fast, super fast. Jake Diekman, okay. okay. He comes to the White Sox and he has zero respect, right? Grabs a jersey number that I, apparently he likes, you know? Number 55. What the fuck are you doing? That's not your number, bro. He's not even like, he's in the league still, man. He's probably going to be coming back to the White Sox next year. You can't take Rodon's number like that, bro. It's just not okay. You sound all about hurt there, Tom. It's almost like you need hurt. to defend your, fa- your, your favorite team and your favorite player who's on your favorite team, <laughs> the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> Honestly, you, you, you know, we're trade deadline would have looked like getting Jock Peterson and Carlos Rodon back. That's what winning the trade deadline would have looked like. It would have, but you know what? I've said my piece about Rick Hahn. You're still a Hahn bot, but um, you want to know Ruiz's last 15 innings pitched, Tom? Last 15 innings pitched. He's had an ERA of 646. (laughs) 11 earned runs, 14 strikeouts, 4 walks, so uh, that's a whip of well over 1. Oh, no. Pardon me. It's a whip of, I mean, you're almost, yeah, you're like 1.5 plus. Uh, yeah, not good. Um, not good for a guy, Jose Ruiz. I'm a Jose Ruiz stand. You're not going to change my mind. Uh, yeah, I've been standing in his corner, but he is falling off a cliff. Um, He'll be right back. He'll. He's just taking a moment. Just speak, taking a beat. Uh, speaking of, uh, of guys falling off a cliff. Uh, literally, and then getting injured. Yasmani Grandal. You want to talk about Yasmani Grandal real quick? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I picked him up in fantasy. That was a mistake. Uh, so <laughs> I was banking on the fact, well, look at this. Like last year, right? Last year, he comes back from the knee injury, and he just goes on an absolute tear. Power, all of it present and accounted for. The bat drops were gorgeous. I was thinking, you know, back half Yasmani might be the play. No, 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 no. Uh, and he hasn't gotten any faster. Um, so that's <laughs> so that's also. But what we're really talking about is is Joe McEwing sending him yesterday in a, in a game where it was no outs, you know, a single to short left field, and he was on second base, and and Joe McEwing was waving his arms like he was fucking trying to sell used cars, bro. I'm like, I have no idea what he was thinking. It was the, it was going to be dead to right. The, the, the throw was shit, too. The throw to home was absolute dog shit. And they still had time to get like walk over and tag Yaz and break his knee. So I don't it's, know, man. I just don't understand. Like the coaching staff has been. Now, mind you, the coaching staff doesn't go out there and they don't play the games. Right. They're not no. the ones that are performing. However, they are responsible for making sure that this team, especially when they're struggling, especially when the numbers aren't looking like they should on the back of the baseball card, and they're not matching up with that, that, you know, the morale of this team and, and they're making decisions on top of that to put them in a place where they can succeed. They have not done that all at all this year, um, particularly Tony, particularly Joe McEwing, Frank Manichino. I heard DJ make a, a comment on the radio yesterday, and I want to say this was a slight jab and subtweet here uh, at uh, Frank Menachino, but 
he was talking about the White Sox plate approach early in the game against Shane Bieber. Yeah. And he said something along the lines of, as a hitting instructor, you look at your guys chasing these pitches because Bieber was throwing nothing in the strike zone for the first three innings. Why would you? Against the Sox? Uh, and exactly. Exactly. Right. He's a, he, this is proof that he's a, a good at what he does and he's a vet pitcher, right? He pit, he's pitching around these guys because he knows they're going to swing, especially if, if he can get up in the count, why would you? Mm-hmm. So DJ just says, as a hitting instructor, this is the time where you know you would instruct your guys, you would tell your guys to start laying off that slider that, that's going out of the zone um, and, and laying off the pitch in the dirt. You know, don't let the pitches come to you a little bit more. Don't you know be chasing after everything and being so aggressive. And that's just the opposite of what Frank Manichino has taught these guys. He's basically telling them. If you can make contact, you go attack and, yeah. and and wherever it is in the zone and whatever pitch it is, whatever count it is, and then yeah. don't elevate the ball either. Um, yeah, just it's a fury ground balls. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I, I hate this offense, you know, like as much as like I want to joke around and say you know, I, I've been. Not anti Lance Lynn, but I've been I've been hard on Lance Lynn this year. Um, as much as I want to say, you know, the White Sox had a five game losing streak and he took the mound and a winning him. streak and he took yeah right like the winning streak ends. Um, it's it's not his fault, obviously. Thank you, thank um, you. I saw your notes and I was like, you bastard. <laughs> yep, of course. My notes say, quote unquote, then Fatty had to take the mound again. Um, <laughs> such a douche (laughs) he is out of shape don't get me wrong and his stuff is not what it was he pitched he pitched well enough that we could have won the game absolutely a thousand percent um number one the bullpen blew it that game yeah that was not not ideal um and then you bring up the fact that the white Sox scored two runs that game no not gonna do it right and then, you know, back to the managerial decisions. I mean, luckily the Deekman decision was was okay, but then like the DH situation. You hear about that one? Yeah, where they lost the DH because uh the injury or whatever. Um something what the fuck happened late in the game? But they lost the DH because and fucking um Jimmy Lambert was set to hit in the two hole. Right, right. I mean the fact that you lost a DH in yeah, a- it- it would have been more embarrassing if in today's baseball, right? right? And to be honest with you, were they going to get into that situation with Class A on the mound? Probably not. But isn't but that like, like, like put your, like, put your team in a situation to win? Yes, 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 absolutely. Like if if we had tied the game and gone to extras, it would have been a fucking embarrassment to like have Jimmy Lambert go out there and hit. It's like, what are we doing here? What yeah. what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, that was that was Friday's game, right? Yeah, yeah. that was Friday. Um, my week has been a complete blur, <laughs> but yeah. uh, yeah, I it's just it's infuriating. Like, there's just no accountability, none. Um, the fact that Joe McEwing has been doing this all year round with sending guys in bad situations, especially all year long, guys. all his fucking career, bro. Ever since he took over at third base, he's like throwing people into harm's way. 
That like, is true. He's been a terrible third base coach. Um, he should be on the bench. Very, um, very aggressive. He should not have a job, fam. I, right now, so- no, he absolutely shouldn't, especially he now that Yasmani hurt. Yep. I mean, yes, he hasn't been good, but he's a guy that you're paying. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it, at bats, to be honest with you, I mean, Sebi hasn't been good either recently since, uh, yeah, since the All-Star off. break. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, ah, man. Uh, yeah, it sucks. But then again, I there's no reason why, like for example, Andrew Vaughn shouldn't be in the lineup every day. Um, I know he got clocked with that pitch. On, yeah, he, uh, on, yeah, on Friday, but um, I think you know they said he was fine. They said he was going to be in the lineup. He the stayed in the game. And, stayed in the game. He stayed in the game, and they said he was going to be in the lineup on Friday or on Saturday, and he wasn't. Um, there's no reason why Andrew Vaughn shouldn't be in your lineup every day at this point. There's no reason why Yasmani Grandal should be starting every day. But then again, <laughs> well, he's not anymore. <laughs> yeah, now he's injured. He Goddamn knee. So. <laughs> Yeah, so, that, that, yeah, that was it. Was the wrong move to send him? I think every one of us could have. I would have sent Herb Lawrence before I sent you know Yasmani Grandal in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I just didn't I didn't like that. Um, I, I I've been disappointed for a long time, but but single handedly carrying the morale of this entire fan base is your boy riding a horse into the sunset. Johnny Cueto, Johnny Sticks. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but I fucking love that guy. I love him so much. What did I say when we got him, Steve? I was like, greatest pitcher of all time. We just we just picked him up for a minor league deal. This is incredible. It's just, it's wild to me how, and I said this, I think the last time we recorded, Rick Hahn hits on all the small fish and never can land a big one. Um, a lot of these small fish contracts work out really well for him and then you've got Yasmani Grandal situations where I mean yeah he was good last year but he absolutely stinks this year I mean a four-year deal for a guy who was already aging um Mm -hmm. and then I mean Jesus Pollock hasn't looked fantastic he's been like I said he's been better in the second half yeah um just uh, yeah, Johnny Cueto. You know, let's let's just sing the praises of Johnny Cueto for a minute. I mean, this guy's had like how many starts in a row where he's given up three or less runs? I mean, I'll I'll go to the game log in a minute, but it's it's in the double digits, I think. Yeah, yeah, and and, yeah. and he's going deep too. It's not like he's like uh you know not no offense to Cease because Cease is dominant in a very different way. Cease never goes past six. You know, Cueto is out here pitching eight innings in his last leg. I think he's gone eight the last three starts. Like, am I crazy? I'm pretty sure it's been eight innings in fucking uh, three, on the, three of his last four. He's gone eight plus. Four, eight, um, so eight and two thirds yesterday, eight against Houston, mm-hmm. six against Casey, oh, and yeah. uh, eight against Texas. That's what um, earned run counts eight uh, against Texas and a loss. That was so depressing, dude. That was so depressing. Seriously. Um, yeah. Uh, I hate this. Uh, I hate this Fox sports app. Uh, it's the worst. I don't know why you even have it, but I, I really quick to jump in while you're going on about Johnny Cueto. Yeah. You know, you, you're looking at the game yesterday, right? And who are your heroes? 
Johnny Cueto, Jose Abreu with the double, and Elvis Andrews with the steal of home. Kind of, it's not really a steal, but it was like a, it was it yeah. was a base running play, right? Heads up base running tag after stealing third. Okay, so you've got you're looking at Johnny Cueto, 36 year old on a minor league contract. You're looking at Jose Abreu, 36 year old, been with the org forever, been amazing forever, just your guy, veteran. And Elvis Andres, which is like a pickup because one of your core players is down. Yeah. Fuck hell, man. Like none of your core, your quote unquote core of this rebuild is involved in that. So what you're telling me is that in 2022, Elvis Andres, Johnny Cueto and Jose Abreu are winning you games. We never needed to do that rebuild, bro. We can like take back, give me those five years back now. I think, man, no, I'm glad I'll, I'll take the, I'll, oh, I'll take that and flip it. You know, the White Sox, and and mind you, I think they still are sitting right now in baseball purgatory, is what mm-hmm. I like to call it. The White Sox would still be in this baseball purgatory if the rebuild never happened. I don't think we would have seen a single division title or a single playoff appearance if the White Sox had not rebuilt when they did. Uh, Because it also created the opportunity where the White Sox were going to spend. Now, you know, obviously the money has been spent in in the wrong places, uh, in in my humble opinion. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, this is why you, you need your core to show up, but you've got to supplement them with solid veteran pieces. Elvis Andrews, Jose Abreu, Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto. Like these are, those are the kind of guys that you want. You know, obviously Jose is, is a staple to this organization, but the other two guys are the kind of pickups that you want when you're looking for veterans to supplement this organization, right? Um, I don't know if Rick Hahn's done enough of that. Instead, you know, the Dallas Keuchel, you know, signing happened, which was freaking awful. I, 2020 that, was pretty lit. <laughs> 10 starts, right? Um, it, It's just an, an infuriating, right? You got to, in the playoffs, too. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, You know, it's just infuriating to see the core not really do what they need to do. Luis has been fine. Tim is obviously shelved right now. And, yeah. and all the people, and I got to say this to all the people who think that this team would be better without Tim Anderson. Like, oh, you're wow. Like, yeah. Because Come of on. the way AJ Pollock is hitting the one hole. Like, no, he's just stepping up because he's a veteran and he realizes yes. what his team needs. Right now, still throw Tim in there. Right. I, AJ Pollock's still going to hit fine at two, you know, yeah. uh, and say Yoan's bat gets back to normal. I mean, I'm not. And then again, I know weeks ago you were on this show, particularly with with our guy Willie P saying you were ready to write this team off. I'm not completely ready to write this team off still. It's just dude, they lost 21 to 5, Steve. There's just no consistent it's it's it a not Thursday a day game. It's a it's Thursday a third, day game. It's not a Thursday day game. It's a third place team, bro. It's like that's what we are. They're not a third place team, though. They're better they're, than Minnesota. They've been in third all fucking years, Steve. But they're still better than Minnesota. Think about how far Minnesota's fallen off and how better they were at the deadline than we were. We were the worst team at the deadline, okay? Like, in regard to moves made. Yep. Rick Hahn got the worst grade. And that front office got the worst grade 
out of anybody. Jake Diemen. Out of all the other 30 teams, I would say that the White Sox did the least to improve their team when they were looking to improve their team. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jake Diekman is the only move, right? At least you got Reese off of the roster, right? <laughs> yep, pretty much. But but it's uh, you know, I as I said with Johnny Cueto, I mean it's it's just phenomenal to see. I, I do have to sing his praises. I still haven't had the opportunity to sing his praises since the uh the six twelve start, or no, pardon me, since the six eight start against the LA Dodgers, uh, he's gone at least five innings and given up three or less runs in every single. Oh, except for one outing, there was one outing against uh, against Cleveland where he did not do that. So it'd be, I'll, I'll do the count here: seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So thirteen of his fourteen starts, it's at least five innings and three or less runs given up. Man's a hoss. Man's an absolute hoss. And the first couple starts he had when he came, like no no runs. He just was immediately fantastic. And then he had one hiccup where he like gave up five runs. But every other game, he's been nails, bro. Nails. Um, I mean, pitching's not the problem. And and no. I know pitcher records don't say anything, right? And And mm-hmm. I've been on and said that multiple times, right? But let me point to Michael Kopech's pitching record this year to prove how bad the offense has been. Michael mm-hmm. Kopech has a, I'll just start with this simple ERA, 325 ERA this year, right? And a whip of 1.18. Okay. He's Pretty four and nine. Good. Jesus. He's four and nine with those numbers. That's so Like depressing. Frank Menachino needs to be fired. Like, yeah. Tony Larusa needs to be fired. These yeah. are historically bad numbers out of everybody on this team, with the exception of Luis and Jose, basically. Yeah, and even them, and like Andrew their power not living up to his potential. Yeah, and the power numbers are are completely down, right? But yeah. like Andrew Vaughn underperforming, especially in regard to power, right? Eloy underperforming, especially because of power. Then you've got the Loys and the Osmanis and the AJ Pollocks who's, you know, who are having career worsts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, you know, like it doesn't matter. It does not matter that Jose is number two in the AL in batting average. Doesn't matter. He's not having the production numbers he's used to having. Like he's, he's actually number two in batting average. Yeah. That's insane to me. That is absolutely absurd to me. A guy who has been known to mash the baseball is second in the AL in average. Yep. So they took a guy who is just a career 30 home run, 100 RBI, you know, 25 to 30 doubles every year. And they were just like, "Eh, how about you hit singles? Do a lot of that. Do a lot of that. And and credit to Jose. He was like, yes, coach. And he hits fucking the most singles out of any player in MLB in August or whatever it was. There was some stat like that where he's like got the most, you know, singles in a month span out of anybody. But it doesn't fucking matter. Team's not putting up runs. Why did you break Jose, bro? And like you didn't mind you, like breaking Jose is impossible. So he's literally like. Now, now that he has been told what he the coaching staff wants him to do, he's out here 
and he's doing the best, the second best in the American League in that category, right? Doesn't matter. Team's not producing. Like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, we can we can go on for years about how fucking dumb that is that this front office hasn't put the coaching staff in place. And yeah. I don't I don't care if it's a situation where Jerry said that this is what I'm doing. It's it's up and down the organization. There's there's not been enough turnover in positions of need and there hasn't been enough supplementation of like the correct departments. Like the analytics department is not very strong because no. if it was they would tell them not to be hitting fucking singles <laughs> like <laughs> that. Analytically speaking, that is it's like taking as many layups as possible when everybody in the analytics community says shoot more threes. Yeah, it's a great He's, comparison, right? Yeah. It's like today's NBA, right? Imagine a team that's built on just taking mid range jumpers and getting the ball into the paint, right? <laughs> so, so the Bulls, <laughs> I mean. Yes, but no, at least they got some guys who can shoot the three, right? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you have DeMar as this different threat, but like... Exactly. And the, the, you, the White Sox don't have anybody that are that's hitting the long ball. And, right. and it, it comes down to that for me. I think that's the biggest problem. And you look at the team and the way they're constructed, and you're thinking on paper, this team should be rolling through the AL Central, and they should be a perennial candidate to make a, a push through the playoffs for a pennant. Instead, we're here talking about a little bit over 500 ball club that's teetering between second and third place in the AL Central because they cannot hit the long ball and and, and they cannot drive in runs because they're not hitting extra base hits. Mm-hmm. I, I got to say this, and, and it, it brings me back to a statistic that I saw where it's like six teams since like 1975 or whatever have had like their first of their first like 1,000 hits, 70% or more of them have been singles, right? The White Sox made that list, okay? And 70%. The, it's crazy. Yes. Now, like of those like five or six teams, right? Or I think it's six teams now. Um, over 70% of them, of their hits, their first 1,000 hits have been singles. The best of those records of all of those teams have been 78 wins at the end of the season. So the White Sox are overperforming in regard to that. They they're on pace to have over 78 wins. So you can't be mad at this team, right? They're doing the best they can with with that with that approach. They're doing the best they can. On top of that, all of those teams, Tom, except for one of them, have been their hitting coach has been Frank Menachino. <laughs> I can't make this shit up. You cannot script this. That is so dumb. Oh my God. He wants his teams to hit 70% singles. It's just, you can't script this. I mean, especially in today's baseball, you are going to hit a standstill. That's crazy. It's, it's just like completely counterintuitive to everything that has ever been studied about baseball like that. This approach would have made sense in fucking 1950, bro. Like but, imagine, imagine Tiger Woods with, with without his drive. That's what it is. Like, yeah. Imagine Tiger Woods playing a short game. He's an average golfer. Yeah. Just it's especially not, yeah. especially in his youth. Like yeah. Tiger Tiger Woods was as good as he was because he had the best drive in the game. Yeah. Imagine yeah. Tiger Woods trying to play a short game. He's Just a he's a no. mid range golfer. 
Yeah, he's just he's a he's high to mid range golfer, and that's exactly what the White Sox are. And it's you know that's it's also that could work that could work if you're the Kansas City fucking Royals, where you never make a mistake in the field and you take extra bases when you're giving them, and you steal and you and you have the most lights out bullpen in the fucking world. But that team was a goddamn anomaly, you know. And I hope they are never spoken of again because they ruined every day of my life in 14 and 15. But again, like th- that is not who we are, no. you know, and, and, you know, the other, the other side of it is this, this Cleveland team, you know, they're doing the same shit as us, but it, they look like they're better at it. Like they're hitting a lot of singles, a lot of dink hits, a lot of like their exit velocity is like of average exit. Their average exit velo, I want to say, is one of the lowest in the leagues. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, and and here they are, you know, outside of, outside of J Ram. Um, yeah, oh yeah, no, it, but that's the thing is like their their you know Jose Abreu comp is Jose Ramirez, and right. he hasn't really changed. He's still hitting doubles and dongs like he's the same guy. He's just evergreen. And then it's, you have Jose Abreu, who's like changed. Right approach well it's all about team identity it's all about team identity cleveland is built that way cleveland is built to single the death out of you have a couple bashers in the middle of the lineup Mm -hmm. but have those guys the other guys single you to death and pray that you can get them in right Mm -hmm. low strikeout rates out of these guys Mm -hmm. just put the ball in play the White mm-hmm. Sox are not built that way. That is no. not their identity. That's not how this team is constructed. Unfortunately, that's the way they've been instructed to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like you took that's the perfect way to put it. Because you you literally you took a team and built it over, you know, four years saying this team is gonna get on base and hit the long ball. And then you put a coaching staff in place that said, fuck that. That's a terrible idea. Let's hit little duck snorts and, and yeah. fucking like put contact, 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 contact. And it's like, I don't give a shit about contact. If the ball's not getting past the outfielders, you can't be as slow as the white Sox are and make as many mistakes yeah. as the white Sox do and still hit a bunch of singles. Yeah. And drop the ball in the outfield. You know, right. it's just, you know, you can't, you can't do it. You can't make mistakes and be slow and play lax baseball and not hit the ball over the fence. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you can very much play slow and play lax baseball if you're hitting dongs. You're hitting dongs. Think about yeah. the Dodgers. Okay. Think about the Dodgers. Think about Daniel Vogelback. Like, he's in a, he's a commodity in today's baseball, and he just hits doubles and dongs. Like, that's all he does. You yep. know, there's like, there's a million different versions of that guy, but that's, we're a team with players like that, and we're not... You know, it's wow. We are still talking about it. It's so it's super frustrating. But um, yeah, it's it's yep. it's maybe we should those- uh, transition here a little bit to bitching more about the coaching staff. A little buyer yes. segment. So obviously, you are very much already looking forward to 2023. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite I'm there. <laughs> yep, I'm I'm not I there am. yet. Like, we're good. I'm not there yet, but uh. Let, let's look to the future a little bit uh, because there's so much question about the rest of this year going into next year. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I'm going to play this in, in regard to we can do coaching staff edition uh, slash front office edition. And then I have one personal question that I'm going to ask <laughs> you about myself. So yes. um, the first question that I have for you for buy or sell, Tom, mm-hmm. is about our favorite, you know, drunk driving manager, uh, <laughs> Tony Larusa. Do you think Tony gets fired or is you know, quote unquote, internally reassigned at the end of this year. Do you buy or sell that statement? I'm going to buy it. Actually. I think, I think the internal reassignment is something that's a big possibility. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's, he's going to be so dead tired at the end of this season. He's just, there's, there's no other way to look at it. Like he's going to be so drained and how can you bring somebody back after, you know, they're a 70 something and they're just, I don't know, you got to get them up on his feet, up off his feet or something. Um, This dude dude turned 78 in October. 78. Yeah. It's just, this isn't the days of Connie Mack and John McGraw folks. Right. This is 2022 baseball with a fairly young lineup. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that, were, yeah, that's the other thing. It's not like he's coaching Pujols and and fucking Molina and Wainwright in St. Louis, where they might as all well all be 30, 78 years old themselves. He's he's coaching guys who came up like ne- they probably never even watched the teams that fucking Larusa coached because it was ages ago. Like they don't that that's not something that was they're completely removed from the the age of baseball that Larus is trying to coach here it's just wild it's wild so yeah i don't think he's so you're buying think, it uh, yeah he, he's he's gone and he's not in the dugout 2023 there's it's just the way that this season is gone the outrage is too high fair enough i don't know if i'm going to buy it i just think that Jerry's got his guy. Kenny's got Jerry's guy. And uh, Kenny's got Jerry's back through thick and thin. Um, I I think he's got one. I think he's got one more year to try and prove it. Um, Unfortunately, I'm worried. But I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see it. Internal reassignment. But jeez. Yeah. How about this? How about this? The end of 2023, like the last game, the last regular season game of 2023, is La in the dugout? Yeah. Wow. There's no, in my mind, it like maybe he starts. I I, I don't think he will start the next season in the dugout, but there's no way. There's no way that he makes it through the whole season of 2023 in the dugout. There's no way. Yeah. He will be 79 years old at the end of next season. Yep. Yep. Jesus, dude. All right. Next member of the coaching staff who you uh, had a lot to say about Joe McEwing. He's gone, dude. Um, I'm I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell. So the question being Joe McEwing still with the team 2023 sell. I don't think he's with the team anymore. I think like I I'm very convinced that the White Sox are going to miss the postseason and then they're going to have to make a lot of changes because of the outrage and the lost capital from missing the playoffs. 
you know, like I think that's going to be the main thing that's going to be like Jerry's going to be like, oh, we scheduled to have this amount of income from the playoffs television and the playoffs like it's selling tickets and all of that. And it's not going to happen. And you're going to have to look at a lot of changes if you want to communicate something. That's where I think Jerry's going to wake up a little bit. That's what's going to change people's minds. I don't think that it's going to be just one or two changes. Our next member of the coaching staff, uh, by herself, chopping block. Um, oh, here's the thing. The funny one with the next one that I have for the coaching staff is I want to see if you think that they'll have a job anywhere. So by yeah. herself, Frank Menachino having a job anywhere next year um, in the MLB. Uh, you know what? I'll say in the MLB. I won't stoop as far as Chili's. <laughs> dude i uh, frank he's just he's a relic man he's not with the times as crazy as it is it's like you've got fucking you know ethan cats out here like figuring shit out on the fly with every pitcher and like learning how to like make everybody's pitches work just so using advanced analytics and like finding ways to rest guys, making bullpen reclamation projects out of Jimmy Lambert. Like, and then you've got Frank Medichino and he's just like hit singles and then like leans back and is like, yes, beautiful. Like that is, it's just, he is not a product of the time. He, no. He's just not. not and as that being said, you know, when the Sox miss the playoffs, tragically, I'll be upset. I will be. Um, but when they miss the playoffs, Frank's not going to have a job with the White Sox. And he probably, to your point, won't have a job anywhere else. It's like when Rick Renteria got released. I don't think there's any chance he has an MLB hitting coach right. position. Not a chance. Because right. it's just with the, the problem with Ricky Renteria was that he wasn't with the times. Frank's not with the times. So when we get rid of him and we finally try to fast forward ourselves a little bit, there's no other team that's going to be like, actually, nobody's waiting in line. That's all. <laughs> a thousand percent. A thousand percent agree. All right. Our next member who is uh, on the coaching staff. And I'm pulling off your list, too. I hope that's okay, Tom. Do. Yes. Debo. Last one for the coaching staff. Daryl Boston, still with the team in 2023. Well, here's okay. This is where I'm coming from is with Debo, you've got an excuse, right? Every nobody else has a real excuse with McEwing, no excuse, way too aggressive at third base, like throwing people he shouldn't be throwing into harm's way. Uh, doesn't really bring anything else to the table. Uh, Frank Menachino, not with it, not with the times. Daryl Boston, he's the outfield coach and first base coach, right? Granted, outfield defense, not our strong suit. What did we give Debo to work with, though? He was like, here's some first basemen. Please make them into outfielders. Thank you. Oh, and also this DH, make him an outfielder, too. So it's like, Daryl's like, uh, okay. And then is, I just assume, doing his best to, like, transition these players. Mind you, you know, with, Louis, with uh, Eloy, he's not technically just been a dh like he should know how to play left field but he never was good at it um not so, even in the minors 
Yeah. So, you know, you, you have that to deal with and then you have just first baseman galore. And so what, what do you want him to do? Like he, he's taught them the position. They, they know how to play it. Question mark. Like, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't think that maybe, maybe he could do with more like shifting in the outfield spots, like, you know, other teams do, but I just, I don't know, man, the, it, he doesn't seem like he's, he, he's the one that I'm thinking like, well, we have to save one coach. So we're not firing everyone. There has to be one guy who has the culture carryover, and that'll be Daryl Boston in my Miguel Cairo. Um, I think Miguel Cairo is the guy who actually keeps the job. Uh, I think this entire coaching staff is on the chopping block. Yeah. I, once again, if, if they can come around to Tony, hopefully fingers crossed, knock on wood that, uh, they finally wake up and realize he's not the fit for this organization. But this isn't about Tony. This is about Debo. I think all of the assistant coaches are, are going to be kind of be shown the chopping block, particularly those that have been there for more than a year. Um, because you he's had been there for like, yeah, I mean, he's been there since the venture or yeah, since the venture years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, a new team. He's been there for a while too. Um, so I think, yeah, outside of cats and Cairo, I think this whole, I think everybody else is really, really on the hot seat. Uh, so I wouldn't mind to say the rest of them go. I think, yeah, the multi-year guys definitely out the door this year. Tough. So, yeah. Um, you know, what can I say? I just want, I want to bring a winning culture. Like I'm Dallas Keuchel. You know, oh. <laughs> want to teach these guys how to win. Oh, um, yeah. I had to do some teaching. Mm. All right. A um, <laughs> couple, couple more that are front office related. And I'll start yeah. with uh, with uh, your favorite guy, Rick Hahn. Is he toast? Yeah. Rick Hahn is toast by yourself. So uh, he's, he's sticking around. Um, he's got a lot of built up goodwill because of what he did through the rebuild. I don't by, think there's... by letting Jerry bring back his buddy Tony. Yeah, exactly. No, like I think, <laughs> but in general, I I don't think that you know Kenny Williams is still here, bro. Like <laughs> there's no way. Think about how long Jerry Krause had a job for. Think about how long that pack uh, pack Gar packs. Yeah, like those guys John were Pax there. And then, yeah, Gar Foreman. They they've Gar been Foreman. there. They were yep. they were there for you know six millennia. Right. Like there's, there's not going to be just because of one bad year of baseball, you know, I think there'll be like decisions made in terms of staffing, but I don't think it's going to be Rick Hahn. Um, There's no way Uh, he he's going to be there. He's the new Kenny Williams, man. He's going to be there forever. But honestly, if you're going to get a job in the front office anywhere, anybody under Jerry Reinsdorf is that's the job to get, bro. That's security. This this whole industry is like lacking in job security, and then you get a job with Jerry, and it's just like, hey man, just go to go to work, and then uh, I'll see you in twenty years. Like it's it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. Yeah, I I'm I think Rick Hahn's on the hot seat too, man. Like I said, if you're a multi year guy, if you are, if you are wow. tw- twenty nineteen, or like if you've been there since twenty. 19 like if you were 2019 and beyond with the white Sox, you're on the chopping block i think I that's gonna be like the wish. cutoff. you wish bro yeah i i really believe i uh, i just i think this is the year especially if they miss the playoffs because this is all 
by and I guess I didn't specify this by herself the White Sox missed the playoffs right I think if the White Sox missed the playoffs all these guys I think that's the cutoff year 2019 if you've been there 2019 or earlier we'll see you later um Crazy. so Rick I think Rick on man I, I he, he, he fucked up the vision bad man for the for this rebuild <laughs> I think and I know under you can't you can't chalk up front office moves to poor performance by the guys on the field but at the same time the way this roster is constructed is not constructed for success um it, i think it is though it's just it's not too much money in the bullpen man this offseason was a was a big big dud well they never developed anything bro the they they just don't develop arms they don't develop talent on the field either and that's you know that's a ownership thing because the ownership isn't putting money into coaching staffs into you know analytics development they're they're not putting in any money into the minor leagues in terms of development they're just not well chris gets got to go too i'll be honest yes. so yes gets gets should be the first one the one like, we absolutely agree on mm -hmm. um Last one. It should have been gone before they fucking like started the rebuild. Speaking of spending money, this is perfect. Perfect segue. By yourself, the White Sox missed the playoffs that the White Sox spend again or that they stay top eight in the league in payroll. If they miss the playoffs this year, mm -hmm. yes, they'll 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 remain in the top eight and they'll they'll also spend this offseason because the windows through 2024 um for the most part you know it's it's a diminishing a little bit like this was supposed to be like the the most competitive year but you've got two more years of teams that should be you know most of the core is still here um most of the core so and and i think you're gonna have to pay a little bit more to keep jose around probably higher aav for like one year maybe two uh i'm just I'm just spitballing, but like I think there's definitely needs, and you're gonna have to pay to kind of fill these voids here. And and you know what, you you say what you want about second base, you just re-sign Josh. Honestly, fuck it, like have him play until he's 38. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's second base, bro. There's not there second base like where failed. It's it's like the bullpen. It's failed starters in the bullpen. It's failed shortstops at second base. It's just not a ton of great talent. It's a volatile position. Just saying. So you throw fucking whoever in there, but get yourself a goddamn right fucking fielder. Like this rotating door of jag offs and then <laughs> trade, trade a fucking, you know, DH type. Sorry. I, I love Andrew Vaughn. I don't think he's the one to go, but like, I don't know. Like maybe we can look at a Lloyd being moved or something. Oh. Oh, like, okay. I thought you were talking about trading Vaughn. I'm about to put no, you on the. I'm uh, saying know, like we need you. to we need to stop doing this bullshit where we're putting Vaughn out in in right field every day and putting other people at DH. You know, Vaughn is a DH if he's not a first baseman, and you have Jose at first, and you can start doing maybe the platoon at first. You got to talk to Jose about it, but. You know, you could start that, but there's too many DH options on this team. Too many DH first basemen. Yep. Exactly. And so Backlogged. it's walked. Gavin, love him. Gotta go. Fucking Eloy. I'm I I'm fucking ludicrous for this, but I don't know if he is like if you can get two 
really solid like corner outfielders. Just then, not going to though. I know, but we we need a right fielder for sure. And then you have it's we need to get it to the point where Angles are fourth outfielder and maybe Gavin's still around. Maybe as a left field left-handed bat off the bench and no other outfielders. You know, Vaughn should be a DH and you know, we got to get a right fielder. Like that's that. Sorry AJ, not on the team. I I, I Oh, so you're not, yeah, not re-signing A.J. Pollock, even though he can actually play outfield defense. I don't know what to tell you, man. I, well, he has never, ever, ever proven over a full season that he is the player that is that he is for like these short stints. Like he is a fourth outfielder, A.J. Pollock. We already have a cheaper fourth outfielder in Adam Angle. And Adam Angle is more likely to pull one over the fence than A.J. is. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but what? you don't know about Adam Angle being a um, more more of a power threat than AJ Pollock. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, no, pulling one over the fence. Like, oh, you mean defensively? Yeah. Okay, defensively. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Adam Angle is better defensively, Adam, but and if we're talking fourth outfielder spots, talk about a guy AJ who Pollock's ceiling is a good fourth outfielder, and Ooh. I we don't need that. I, what's what's Angle uh, ceiling then? Good fourth outfielder. Good at fourth outfielder is a tough. I don't know. It's a good defensive replacement. I don't know about a good fourth that's, outfielder. Yeah, that's that's what a a good fourth outfielder is a defensive replacement and an occasional bat. An occasional bat. All right. If you say so, and that's that's the ceiling. And and you know what? If you want to take AJ and put him in that role, maybe. But then do something with Adam Angle. Do something with Gavin Sheets. Maybe you can package those two. Throw them over to Pittsburgh and see what you can get back. I don't know, man. But it's just like just comes down to lineup reconstruction, man. The lineup construction in general. And Rick Hahn, I'll be honest, has fucked this thing up bad. You spent all that money on bullpen when you really didn't need to spend all that money on bullpen. And now you're playing the game of, okay, which former first baseman are we throwing into a corner outfield position? Which guy do we want coming off of the bench who's okay in you know a, a seventh or eighth inning situation when we're down by one? And kudos to Gavin Sheets for doing that uh, on uh, Tuesday night when we were there at the ballpark. Um, that's Gavin Sheets' spot right there. It's not playing right field for 150 games. No. Um, it, but unfortunately, that's the situation I think that Rick Hahn is possibly putting the White Sox into um, with the moves that have been made with this roster. Final thoughts, Tom. And I'm going to toss you one question as you throw your final thoughts into it as well. And I was going to make this a buy or sell, but I'm going to make this a, a pitch in a sense. right? I want you to pitch to me as a part season ticket holder right now, why I should hang on to my tickets for next year. Go. Uh, so, uh, well, you like being at baseball games, right? I do enjoy the ballpark. Yes. No, well, there you go. Do what you love. I think that's what matters is like, you know what? It doesn't matter if the team's good or bad, you're going to be there and you're going to enjoy yourself. So just, you know, if you're, I think the only thing that you should do is you should buy the season tickets, but 
don't expect anything. <laughs> like if you go awesome, great sales pitch, by the yeah. way, you yeah, really yeah. are Rick Hahn, you know, <laughs> enjoy having a seat at the table, baby. Enjoy yes. having, a se- enjoy having a seat in the ballpark while we're a 500 ball club, 500 ball. Yeah. Club. Yeah. So the, I, but I'm like, I'm pretty serious, man. Just like go in there and, and treat it like a bar, you know, as much as we used to make fun of Wrigley field for being ass bar. Mm hmm. It is. It is. But it's a nice part of town. Um, <laughs> so it's At like that point. I'm just going to go over to Shinix. I'll see y'all. <laughs> Save yourself the, you know, 7K over the course of the season uh, on the low end. <laughs> 7K. I'm not spending that much, but yes. <laughs> on the tickets plus the every drink you've ever no, had. No, 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 I don't spend that much. Receipts. Let's get the receipts. Um, no, I but. In general, I'm just, you know, it it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me to go out here and and expect anything from this team. Um I I I've done that, right? I I, I expected a lot from them in 2020, then uh COVID, right? Uh <laughs> and then in 2020, I expected a lot and they got bounced. Like sir, like very yeah, how are we any better than than no offense to Cubs fans, but how are we any better than like our parents' generation of Cubs fans who are like, eh, I really don't expect the team to do anything, but hey, if they do great, then they surprise me, and that's awesome. Like, fans need to hold this team accountable. Like, sure. No, really like have some freaking expectations. Like don't let Jerry Reinsdorf get away anymore or anybody in the front office get away with, you know, here's the carrot. Second place is the best place to be because you keep people hungry, you know, and they, we fall short every year and they keep them coming back because we keep them on the edge of our, their seats. No, like F that. Like I'm done with that. Like honestly, with the way this season has gone, with how poor the roster construction is, with how bad the coaching staff has been, with the lineup under most of the lineup underperforming or even hitting career worsts, mm-hmm. um, it it's just not it's not even appealing. It's mm-hmm. not. So that's where I'm at. I'm a little ticked off, but you know, I'm holding on to the hope that the White Sox make the playoffs this year. I think it would be. I think it would be terrible for the long run for the White Sox to make the playoffs this year. But then again, I think it would also be terrible for the brand of baseball that they're trying to build to miss the playoffs this year. It's 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 a lose lose situation or win win situation, whichever way you want to see it. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. And just, you know, to follow up with the have some goddamn expectations is I I'm of the mind that it's like I, I have the same you know, kind of thoughts about this as I did with Hawk Harrelson and his last year in the booth is, is just, you know what? I love him for what he did. His time has passed him. You know, it's like, he's not the answer anymore. The same is true for Jerry. And I don't think anything changes if Jerry's gone. And that's why my expectations are so is, I don't think anything changes if Jerry stays rather. And I don't like, I don't see any changes that are going to be, you know, substantive to make this team a perennial contender like they want to be or say they want to be until he's gone. And until then, I'm not going to have expectations for this team because there's no reason for me to get my hopes up if ownership is just going to be like, eh, whatever. So I'm I'm of the mind that it's like once Jerry's gone, we'll celebrate the fact that he brought seven championships to this city and you'll bury him. And then we're going to move forward and and then I'll have some goddamn expectations. 
But, you know, this ownership is just, they don't care. He doesn't care. And if he does, he's got a weird way of showing it. So uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, but the comp, right? The comp is to Hawk Harrelson. He was great. Then he wasn't so great. And it was time for him to go. And then he left. And then we got Jason Benetti. And how great is that? Like, Benetti in the booth is superior, in my opinion. And that oh, might be sacrilege. Might no, be sacrilege. it's not. It's not. Hawk Harrelson was not a great announcer. Sorry. He iconic, not iconic. great. Thank you. So, iconic, not great. So, very much so. Those are my final thoughts. I'm ready for iconic, but not great, Jerry Reinsdorf to go away. Um, <laughs> yep. And uh, until then, I'm going to just enjoy the ride, even if it's a shit ride. I'm going to enjoy it. Oh, this ride is going to make me fucking puke. Yeah, and then we'll get off at the same time and be like, that was some fucking crazy shit, wasn't it? All right, let's get back on next year. You know, like, it's it's just, I think that's the way to approach it, you know? No, uh, come on. Set some expectations. Do not care. Just go out there and, and do your jobs. Everybody in this organization, please. Hey, Jose Abreu does his job. He hits make this next one. <laughs> yep, he does hit those singles, man. It's those singles. He was told to hit singles, so he's hitting singles. <laughs> make this month and a half worth tuning in that's where i'm at i know i think it's worth tuning in i tuned in yesterday um enjoyed it but uh i'm i'm not i'm gonna celebrate the things that are worth celebrating and i'm gonna ignore the shit because it's not going anywhere so what what like nobody gives a shit what tommy has to say about the ball club so <laughs> i'm gonna be i'm gonna be over here you know just being like you know what fuck them fuck them they're they're Dude. bad that's too two, bad. Two people care about what I have to say about this ball club. So, you know what? <laughs> On that note, I'm going to tell them to try to keep your heads high, even in these dark-ish times. The light is at the end of the tunnel, and whether that light be the end of the season or the postseason, it's there. It's almost there. Hang tight. It's not even enjoying the ride. It's just hold this team accountable. Hold this team accountable. Survive the ride. Indeed. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that that just about does it. Steve, you ready for it? Uh, ready as I'll ever be. In Han, we trust. Win the AL Central, we must. I don't give a shit what it costs. See y'all <laughs> later. Have a good one, and we'll uh, we'll post a evergreen episode uh, next week. Talk to you later. Hey.